there. Good morning. It is good to see you. Let me welcome you to First Baptist Church. And if you are a guest, there are some cards inside the um, pew there that we would love to have information about you. If you would like to have information about our church, you just send it. Let us know how we can help you with that. There's one announcement I would encourage you at Alabama um, WMU Christmas Backpack Ministry. Let's get involved in that. It's pretty extensive in how you can be involved. And I would encourage you to read that. And let's make sure that we do and, and take part in that. I hope you will. But we're glad you're here. Are you ready to worship today? Yes. Why don't you stand up, move around, and greet some folks today? Hello, how are you? Well, it is very good to see you today. I want to welcome you. Um, Ronnie will be coming back next week. Dan had surgery, was some spinal surgery yesterday or this past week, and keep praying for Dan Gilliland. And we're in pretty good hands today. Um, my wife, Kim, is going to be leading us in worship today. Um, she will be the best-looking worship leader we've had in a long time. And so she's going to come and lead us. But before that, um, Dave Murphy, can, or Dave Mullins, can I, Dave Murphy, um, Dave, are you reading scripture or is Dave Mullins reading? David is going to read. Let me pray and get myself out of this, okay? <laughs> Father, thank you for a great day today. We thank you for the weather. We thank you for the coolness of it. We thank you for the joy we have of being able to worship you on this holiday weekend. We give you glory and we give you praise. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we worship you, as we read the scripture, as we sing, as we listen to the word as we give all the things that are involved in our worship, may we do it with a heart that is full of praise for you. May we yearn for you today, and may we seek you. And Lord, may you be found, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. David. Yes, I am. Thank you, David. Um, I'm all, all messed up today. Um, Call to worship. It's a brand new one. This is right after the four living creatures in Revelation say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so now the creatures pick up and, and they take part in the worship or the, or the elders, I should say. So would you, would you read this with me? And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, 
who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Dave. Micah, chapter 7, verses 18, 19, and 20. Who is a God like you, hardening iniquity and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. This is the word of the Lord. Let's stand, church. What a joy. It truly is a joy to be with you this morning. Let's sing with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as we sing these wonderful hymns of faith.
church, let's continue to worship with a beautiful modern hymn called In Christ Alone. Let's stand and sing.
I invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. We come to the end of that chapter and come to chapter 5 next week. But as we look, I just um, to let you know that um, Tammy Huey is celebrating her 18th anniversary as our weekday education director. Um, she's actually worked in the daycare for um, 25 years and so but 18 years as our director so if you see Tammy this week or if you want to drop her a card um, thank her thank her for the ministry she does down there um, would you pray with me let's pray together Father we thank you for the beauty of those songs that we have sung old and new drawing our heart toward you and setting our feet on the foundation of your gospel we praise you we give you thanks for you are a good, good father. And I know that there are many needs in our room today. There are those who are hurting and there are those who are struggling. There are those who are going through many different things. Specifically, we lift Dan to you and ask God that you would just help him as he recovers from surgery. We pray for healing for Frank Morrison. God, we ask that you would be with Kay Knight and the loss of a son-in-law. We pray, Father, for Matt, that you would just allow this heart ablation to work and that his heart would be healed and that you would help him. We ask, God, for your comfort, continual comfort on those who have lost loved ones recently, especially we lift Ronnie to you. And God, we, we lift others, I know, that I may have missed some names, but you know every need. You know every single thing. And so we lift it to you. And we pray, Father, as we come to your word, that you would bless it. You'd bless the reading of it, the preaching of it, the hearing, the application, that you would help us to be what you've called us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text is verses 13 through 17. If you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. I remind you this all comes out of the context of verse 6, where he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And now he says in verse 13, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go in such and such a town, spend a year there, and trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, when you read this, when you read this text in our culture, the majority of those sitting in church looking at this would say, well, what's wrong with what we just read? What's wrong with, with today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit? I mean, what he describes in verses 13 and 14 is, is true of the majority of those who are in business. It may be true of some in this room. 
And you say, well, what's wrong with it? Well, well, as we walk through it, let me remind you what I've just said as we read it, that, that it's in the context of our six. And it will continue to go all the way until the end of next week where he shows us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James is showing us how we can live under God's grace. How we can live under his grace and not under God's opposition. So I want us to walk through it just verse by verse and try to understand how what James is describing here leads us to living under God's grace. The first thing we see is foolishness. Foolishness. Look at the first verse there, verse 13. Or, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, this is someone, obviously, in business who does what business people do. James has dealt with the rich a couple of times in this text. He, he will deal with them next week, especially in the way that they oppress. And, and, and the thought in chapter 5 is, is that these are lost people who are oppressing the church. But, but we've seen those who are wealthy in the church already. And so James is talking about those who are, who are doing business. And, and someone has said there, there are three things you see here that you see in every good business. He, there's a plan. There's a plan. Today or tomorrow, we'll go. A little later, we'll spend a year. There's a business plan. There's a place. We'll go into such and such town. And then there's a profit. There's a profit in mind. And we'll make a profit. So there's a plan, there's a place, and there's a profit. What's wrong with that? Unfortunately, there are those who twist this passage and, and say that God is against capitalism. That God is against profit at all. That you should never make a profit. And, and that is not the point of this passage. Profit is good. It is a good thing to make money for the glory of God. It is a good thing to, to do business. It is a good thing to be successful. Plans are good. Work is good. Work was, was the original part of, 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 the, of the covenant with God and man before the fall. It was a creation ordinance. It's a good thing. He, he has a plan. He has a place. He has a profit. But there's something missing. And I would suggest to you that what's missing is, is prayer. There's a plan there. There's a place there. There's, there's a profit there. But we don't see any instance here of this group seeking God's will. Are we seeking to do what God wants us to do? Or, or are we just seeking to do what we want to do because of the prophet and leaving God out? The reason I would suggest that, that, that James tells us that this is here without a prayer is because of what he says in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you ought to seek the Lord's face. And we'll get to that verse in just a moment. I was reading and studying and someone said, about this particular passage in 13, it's not the occupation, but the attitude that has become secular. It's not the occupation that they're doing. It's not the profit that they're making. It's not the work that they're doing. It's the attitude that has become secular. It is, it is full of self-confidence. It's, 
It's full of pride in, in, in our ability. It's, it's lacking in humility. In the midst of what seems to be the normal and routine in this fictional story, we see the danger of leaving God out of our plans. God opposes the proud. Don't leave God out. Don't, don't stop seeking God's face in what you're doing. He opposes the proud, but he, he gives grace to the home. One of my, my, my favorite um, chapter in Proverbs is Proverbs 16. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, the proverb, the writer said, The heart of, a, the heart of, of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. That word establish is, is a word that means determines. You can plan your way, but it's God who determines your steps. He determines it. He, he determines the details of our life. Another verse that's very close to this is Psalm 139, verse 16. It says, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Look at that. God has a book. And even before our days began, before eternity started, God had written in the book our days. He's planned it. He knows when you will be born. He knows when, he knows when you will die. He knows every step in between. And it just doesn't make sense to live our life without seeking him, without asking him, the one who knows the future, what he thinks we should do about, listen, about everything. It doesn't make sense to make plans without seeking God's will. It's the foolishness of it, to make plans without seeking God. But then the second word is shortness. It's the shortness of life. Look at the next verse. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. They're going and making plans to, to spend a year or so. And he says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. You're planning a year ahead. And, and listen, planning a year ahead is a good thing. Don't walk out of here saying, well, the Bible just says don't plan. That's not what he's saying. But don't plan without seeking God. Don't make plans without coming after what God would have us to do. They, they, they're planning for a year of business without really knowing what lies ahead tomorrow. And let's, let's all be honest. We know what we think we're going to do in the next hour. But do we really know? Do we really know what comes just around the corner as we walk out of this room? Can I say it gingerly? If we walk out of this room, we don't know. And so the, the writer's trying to show us we don't know, but God knows. So seek God. What, what is your life, he says. Look at the shortness of it. What is your life? For, for you're, you're a mist. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes. He's speaking of the fragility of life. It's fragile. It's fragile. We can work out. 
You can be big and strong like Rashard down there. You, you, can, you can be strong and, 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 and work out and be like the athletes we watched yesterday on the field. But we were reminded last year, right in the midst of an NFL game, a man in the top condition just drops. We just don't know. Life is fragile. Dr. McClanahan used to always joke, he said, I'm seeing all these patients and they're eating everything they want to eat. He's talking about me. And he said, um, he said I eat all these carrots and apples and one day I'm going to step off a sidewalk and get hit by a bus. And um, <laughs> we just don't know. You can be strong and you can be healthy and die of something just around the corner. He said, Pastor, you're really making my day. I'm trying to. I'm trying to show you the fragility of it. You just don't know. We, we have to think about our death. You ever been around people who just don't want to talk about death? We've got to talk about it. We've got to think about it. We've got to think, what is it? What is around the corner? Please hear me. I've sat with too many people who, who sit across the street or down at Ushery who, who, who are now burying someone who hadn't thought about that day. You've got to think about it. Everybody's talking about Jimmy Buffett. And let me be honest, I love the music of Jimmy Buffett, but I wondered if he thought about meeting Jesus. We have to think about we have to prepare for it. Yes, we prepare financially. That's a biblical thing. To prepare financially for those who come after us. Yes, we have to do that. The Bible tells us, look at the ants. They, they prepare for the winter. And, and, and the Bible's talking, talking about preparing for, for our, our, our retirement, our, our end of years, our, when when. We may retire from one thing, but, but continue to do something else. He says, yes, but, but understand, even though you're making plans, don't neglect the spiritual, the spiritual plans. You can have your 401ks all like they need to be, but are you spiritually ready to step into the presence of God? He says at any moment, you're, you're a mist, you're a vapor. It's fragile. And then the second thing he says is short, the uncertainty of it. Shortness is, is the fragility of life and the uncertainty of life. He, look at it, he says, for a little time. For a little time. We're not guaranteed 100 years. We've had a few in our church come to 100. We've had a few get real close. We, uh, you know, Psalm 90 reminds us it's, it's the psalm written by Moses. And Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 10, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. The years of our life are 70. I, I had to just stop this morning as I was thinking about that. I said, I, 12 and a half years that I, that I can at least look forward to. I'm not, I may live longer, may live shorter. Moses says the years are 70. How many years do you have till you hit 70? How many years do you have above 80 right now? Dad's living on borrowed time. He'd tell you that. 
How many years past it? Remember the uncertainty of it. It's, it's uncertain. It's, it's fragile. Even, even if we were to find a way to live a thousand years on this earth, who would want to? But if you could live a thousand years and be strong like Caleb at the end of your life, what is that compared to eternity? Are you ready? It's a reminder that we're a vapor. It's a reminder that, that, that we must make, listen, we must make the most of the short time we're here. And, and hear me, hear me well. We must live for the moment that we leave. The world says, live for the moment, party up. The Bible says, live for the moment that you leave. I heard a, a, a man, he was speaking to Florida State, but he was, he was an inspirational speaker, and he looked at the coach of, of that, and he was reminding them about how Bobby Bowden lived his life. He played under Bowden, and he said this. He said, Coach, I hope you will live for your obituary more than your resume. That's a good reminder to all of us. Live for your obituary. Live in such a way that you're ready for eternity. Verse 15, we find simply another way to live. Another way. You see the foolishness and the shortness, but we see another way. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we will live and do this or that. I don't think James is prescribing a phrase that you must say every time you plan. I have a preacher friend. I haven't seen him in a while. One of the reasons I don't spend a lot of time with him is he takes this very literally. Every single thing he says, he says, if the Lord wills. Now, that's not the reason I don't hang out with him, but it just drives me crazy. I think after about 20 times in a conversation, I want to call him by name, but I said, I think we know what you mean by that. And I don't think James is saying that you have to say that every single time you make a plan. He's not giving you a prescribed phrase that you must always say, but an attitude that you must always have. If the Lord wills. Now, we're going to study this a lot in chapter 5, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. But don't make plans without prayer. Church is a good reminder to us. Sunday school classes, it's a good reminder to us. Committees, it's a good reminder to us. Don't make plans without prayer. Don't set schedules without prayer. Do everything by prayer, the Bible says. Why? Let me ask you a better question than why. Why not? Why not? Why would I make why would I plan a large party for tomorrow if I didn't do, if it's going to be outdoors, if I didn't check the weather first? Why would, I, why would I invest in a stock if I didn't first check out the company? Why would I make plans for tomorrow or for today without checking with the one who knows all things? That's what James is telling us. 
Seek God. The problem goes back to to verse 7. Submit to God and resist the devil. What James is describing in our text today is the way we submit. We seek after God. The problem is, let's be honest, we don't see ourselves as at war. We don't see the spiritual war that we're fighting. We, 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 we don't see that we must be in constant communication with those who have eyes around the corner. That's God. He knows everything. And so if we see ourselves as being at spiritual war, then we constantly talk to him about what he would have us do and what he would have us not do. Again, I go back to what, what Piper calls um, in in his missions book on prayer, he says, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie where we're constantly in communication with the one who knows all things. I know this may not sound like what you hear in the world today, but, and that's a good thing, but, but just because there's a prophet doesn't mean it's God's will. Doesn't mean it's not God's will, but it doesn't mean it is God's will. Just church, just because it will work doesn't mean it's God's will. We have to be careful of pragmatism. Just because it works doesn't make it God's will. Just because there's a raise, just because there's a promotion doesn't make it best. We have to seek God. We have to take time and listen to God. Commit to being on God's side. That means we submit to him. That we live in close fellowship with him. Then the next verse of of, of verse 8 there, it says that we draw near to God. That we purge the sin from our life. We cleanse our hands and our hearts. We, We repent and we humble ourselves before him. We seek his will and seek his direction. You remember what he says down in verse 10? You humble yourself like that and he will exalt you. Seek his face. The source of the problem you see in in, in verses 13 and 14, the source of that is found in verse 16. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. He's going back to verse 13, they They make their plans and they boast. They boast about their abilities to carry it out. And what James tells us here is that the heart of the problem is arrogance. And I want you to hear me. The heart of a prayerless life is arrogance. The heart of a prayerless life is arrogance. You don't think you need God. And you can make those decisions on your own. I'm not speaking down to you. I'm speaking with you. Because it is the heart of God that we seek his face. There's an Old Testament example of this. If you want to, I'd encourage you to turn back in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. It's interesting. Daniel has dreams and we see them throughout the scripture. And Daniel warns through a dream, Nebuchadnezzar. But in Daniel 4, verse 29, 
at the end of 12 months, this is after Daniel had warned Nebuchadnezzar through a dream what was going to happen. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And in verse 30, which I think is here on your screen, the king said, he said to himself, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty. Do you see the arrogance in that? I've built this for myself. Verse 31, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar. To you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. He says in verse 32, And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods, that seven years, will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately, verse 33 says, the word was fulfilled. And this great king that God had used so mightily, this great king was driven from among men, the one who had bragged about all he had done and boasted of his arrogance. He was driven from among, among men, ate grass like an ox. The Bible says his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. And then verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason restored to me. I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And he goes on to talk about it. And in verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all your works are right. Your ways are just. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That's what James is telling us. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So humble yourself before him. Seek his will and submit to him. There's one other thing we find in our text, and that's omission. Omission. The church talks a lot about the sins of commission, the things that we do, the commit. But the Bible also speaks of the sins of omission, things that we know that are right and yet we don't do. I want you to look at it in the last verse here, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And so when you look at what James has been saying from chapter um, 4, verses 7 through 12, he's showing us what is right. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Cleanse yourself from sin. Purify your hearts. Mourn over your sin and repent. Humble yourself before God. Watch over what you say about your brothers. Obey the law. Seek God in all things. That's God's will. 
And if we don't do those things, church, it's sin. Life, if it is to be lived well, must be seen from the perspective of God's glory. There's only one life, and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Amen? And so we live that way. There are things to stop doing. There are things to start doing. But above all, church, I think if we, if we do anything else together as a church, let's do this. Let's seek God's presence and seek God's will. Let's be the house of prayer that seeks after God. You know how I and others in this church read the Psalms. Many of you do, and if you don't, I'd love to talk to you about it. But on the 21st day of the, of the month, I read starting with the 21st Psalm, and I went through. And in the 81st Psalm, verse 10, there's an incredible verse. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth. And I will fill it. What a statement. Open wide your mouth. And I will fill it. God had delivered Israel over and over and over again. And all they needed was to walk with him. But verse 11 of that psalm said, But my people will not listen to my voice. Israel would not, listen to what James says and what the psalmist said, Israel would not submit to me. Israel wouldn't submit as James has called us to submit. And when I read that the other morning when I was reading it, you just almost hear the sadness of God in this. I will open, you open your mouth, I will fill it, but you, you won't submit to me. You won't come to me. God wants this relationship. He he wants this fellowship where we seek after him. Verse 12 says, the result of not listening, because you wouldn't submit. So listen to what the psalmist says, backing up what James says. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. That's our culture. That's our world. It's our country. We refuse to submit to God. We refuse to listen to what he has to say. And so God has turned us, as in Romans 1, over to our own stubborn hearts to follow our own stubborn counsels. Listen to God's heart in verse 13 of Psalm 81. Oh, that my people would listen to me that Israel would walk in my ways. Oh, that we would listen to him. That we would listen to him in his word, listen to him in his spirit, and seek his face and do the things we know we should do. And, and in his power, do the things, not do the things we shouldn't do. God longs for relationship. He longs for us to walk with him, to to walk through the day. He he enjoys showing you what to do and not to do. 
God enjoys checking you so that you won't say what you shouldn't say. He enjoys saying, don't go that way, and, and you don't go that way. And, and, and then you find out later there was, there was something that happened that, that could have been damaged to you. God, God loves for us to seek him. It blesses him and us. And so I would challenge you as you come back to, to James. See the foolishness of living without praying. See the shortness of life and make sure you're seeking after God and you're ready for tomorrow if, if tomorrow is the last day. Understand there's another way to live. It's, it's if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. You, you seek after him. And then as God shows you, you do what he calls you to do in his power. Make sure you're, you're not full of arrogance like Nebuchadnezzar. And doing what you know to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the life God exalts. That's the life that receives God's grace. Amen? I want to ask you to bow your heads. As we get ready to sing today and respond. I wonder if this week... Even today, you would go back over James chapter 4. You start looking again. There where God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. In verse 6, and then in walking through those commandments, in verses 7 through 12, and be reminded of why it's so important in the text we just studied today. You don't have to walk into the opposition of God. In Christ, you can walk in His grace. You can live a life in His grace. You can. If God's calling you to do something today, would you just ask Him, God, what would you have me do today? You submit to that. That's, that's a start. God, what would you have me do today? Father, I think I've done what you've asked me to do today. And as we look at James, we, we all know we have room to grow here. So I pray, Father, that in your spirit, we will begin to walk step by step, marching in rank with you. Help us, God, fill us so that we might. And if someone needs to be public today, Lord, then let us be public. But if it's private, then let us be private. That's between you and us, each individual. They need to do what you're calling them to do as I need to do what you're calling me to do. Help us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name. We're going to sing, I'd rather have Jesus. I often say this, and I don't really don't say it in jest. In the scripture, sometimes when people lied in the presence of God, 
they dropped Ananias and those you can sing a lie as well as you can tell a lie and I just want you to think about what you're singing today and if for some reason you can't sing I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold then there's a work of the spirit in your heart that needs to take place so make it your prayer as you're singing make it your prayer that this would be your statement of life let's stand together let's sing it great way to practice that is as you're walking out today with your tithes and offerings another way to practice that is to spend another hour in fellowship with the body of Christ in Sunday school I just want to challenge you to to listen to the word this week to walk in the power of the spirit Um, many of our folks have left today because uh, one of our own from years back um, Jennifer Riddle is now the, um, what, what we call the rector, I guess, at St. Simon Episcopal Church. And so uh, be in prayer for it. Jennifer and their family is, is, um, is, is there doing that. I just pray that God will help her lead that church. And I told somebody the other day, we have someone who used to be in our church who's now a minister over at the Methodist Church and now at the Episcopal Church. We, we're expecting some tithes back from them and, and commissions, right? So thank you so much for being here. Would you bow your heads with me as we close with the blessing? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is my prayer for you and for us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.